Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to the 1620 The Jays podcast. I'm John Bishop and along with Josh Peterson and Connor Happer on this week's show, we're going to talk with Creighton third baseman Ben North, who had himself one heck of a weekend last week down in Texas and is hoping for better things in Texas this weekend. And Josh and Connor will be along with a look at men's and women's basketball, both have just experienced or will experience their senior days this week as they head towards the Big East Tournament where both teams could end up being number two seeds. It's all coming up this week on the 1620 The Jays podcast. But first, the baseball season is underway and my goodness, there is a trend brewing. Runs are coming in bunches. The Blue Jays have scored 71 runs in just five games. It's the first time under Ed's service they've ever cleared 60 runs in the first five games. And it's the first ever 5-0 start to a season, believe it or not, for Ed Service's club. And one of the reasons for the great start is our first guest on this week's 1620 The Jays podcast. He's the sophomore third baseman from Woodbury, Minnesota, Ben North. Ben, thanks for coming on the podcast this week. Yeah, just had a, just got back from Texas. We, uh, as a team, had a pretty good weekend, so... Uh, to say the least, uh, and you had an amazing weekend. You tied a record that was almost 33 years to the day old in uh, hitting two grand slams, but driving in 10 runs. The old record, uh, the record you've tied, was held by Ryan Martindale on the team that went to the College World Series back in 1991. Uh, first off, did you even know what the school RBI record was? No, no, I had no clue. But to be mentioned alongside with anyone on that 91 team is is quite the honor. What was your previous personal best at any level for runs driven in in a game? Uh, gosh, I don't even know. I think this summer <laughs> I, I might have had seven or eight in a game. Um, but yeah, not not 10. And I had never hit a grand slam before in my life, so. Well, you made good. You made up for that by hitting two in the game against Houston Christian last Friday. So take me back to the first at bat. Obviously, bases loaded situations are the hitter's ultimate dream because there's no place to put you. You know you're going to see fastballs. You're likely going to get a pitch to hit. So when you go into an at bat with the bases loaded, what are you looking for first? And what were you looking for in this at bat? Yeah, I mean, definitely, I'm always on the heater. That's that's the pitch I like to swing at the most. Um, we always just talk about having quality at-bats, and, and one of the ways to have a quality at-bat with the bases loaded is to hit a ball in the air to the outfield. 
Um, so that was that was kind of my goal with that at bat is just put something in the air deep enough to to the outfield where that runner on third can score because we had less than two outs. Um, and I did that, and with a little help from the wind, I think that that first one got out. How were the conditions in that ballpark? It looked like, I mean, I, obviously by the runs, it appeared that you might have had some hitter-friendly conditions, but what was it like hitting in that ballpark? Yeah, I mean, the warmth would be the first thing that I would I would point to, just hit, hitting in, obviously, Charles Schwab is a big field, and, and when it's 35 degrees, it's even bigger. Um, so playing in 80 degree weather with, with that Texas humidity, um, winds were, were, it wasn't crazy, but they were blowing out a little bit to kind of right center ish. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely a hitter friendly park. Well, you mentioned you, you hadn't hit a grand slam before, so you get the first one and then you come up and you have another opportunity. Are you thinking in that moment? about another grand slam or is that, is that something you have to learn how to control as a ball player, knowing that, Hey, I've got a chance here to help my team, but if I get too greedy, I can end up hurting my team. Yeah. I I think there's, there's always got to be a balance between uh, like, you're you're always just trying to do what's best for the team in that situation. So I kind of just kept the same approach, trying to hit a ball in the air through the middle of the field. Um, got another fastball elevated, which is what you want when you're trying to hit the ball in the air. And, and that one was a little bit further than the first one, but um, yeah, just trying to get a ball in the air to right field. Did you know that both of them were gone off, off the bat? Uh, the first one, definitely not. Uh, it was, it was a little lower of a launch. Um, I knew it was deep enough to score the run. So I, I was, I was thinking I was happy with myself uh, after that first at bat, it snuck over the wall. The second one, I mean, yeah, I still, I still got out of the box pretty good just cause it was to the opposite field and those are harder to judge whether you got it all of it or not. But I have to imagine the reception in the dugout was something a little bit different, especially after the second one, just talk me through the rounding the bases, seeing Coach Connor at third, and then just meeting the guys after hitting a second grand slam, which, you know, is not something that happens every day. Yeah, it was fun. The dugout energy this year has been, has been the best since I've been here. Everyone's, everyone's locked in the game. Everyone wants to win. Uh, there's no, there's no selfishness amongst the team. Um, so when, when one guy succeeds, we all succeed. So everyone was pulling for me and, and it's really cool to be a part of that. Now, uh, but sometimes gets lost in all of this is you had another opportunity with the bases loaded in that game. Now, this time you got hit by a pitch. You drove in a run. You had to be thinking about three, right? I, I'd be lying. I'd be lying if I if I said I wasn't <laughs> thinking about it the third time. Um, it's probably a good thing that I got hit by a pitch, though, because when you're when you're thinking about trying to hit a home run, that's not normally when you hit them. Um, so. I, I'm glad that I was able to still get on base and, and have a successful at bat. Was there a part of you that was just going to turn the umpire and say, Hey, can, can I just take that as, you know, a ball and, and, and we go and we just, you know, keep the count going. Uh, I mean, no, we, <laughs> it, 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 the bases were loaded. So we scored a run. Um, and that's, that's more what I'm concerned with. Ben North joining us. He tied a 33-year-old Creighton record by driving in 10 runs in a win over Houston Christian on Friday and, of course, two grand slams as part of it. 
You mentioned the, you know, you're hoping that, you know, this is going to be a team that's still going to be able to put up a lot of runs. And I know, you know, you're not going to get 22 runs every day. Why is it that this team has come out of the box so fast? Is it partially the warm weather, especially the one, the, the weather you had in it down in Texas? Or was there something about the approach going all the way back to fall ball and maybe even what you guys experienced in summer play that maybe gave you an indication that offensively things were going to be better this year? Yeah, you know, I think, well, first off, I want to just give credit to to our coaches, uh, Coach Gandasi and Coach uh, Johnson, they do a great job prepping us with with information on the pitchers and and getting us in a good spot to succeed. And then also, I mean, our lineup is very very deep this year. Um, we just don't have a lot of like easy at bats for the pitchers to to kind of take a breath. It's just one after another. Each guy has their own strengths. Um, and, and we make them work. And when you have to work really hard to get one out, it makes it harder to get the other two. And, and that's kind of when we can put up runs in bunches. That competition, because you're right, last year's team, it was a little bit thin as far as depth was concerned. A lot of young guys that just weren't ready yet for the grind. I have to imagine that competition is huge, just individually, knowing that, hey, if I don't hold up my end, there's probably someone behind me that's ready to go and so all of that just kind of feeds itself, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We were super deep, especially, I mean, pitching is, is deep as well, but the position group is, is very deep. We've got, we've got six outfielders and, and a whole bunch of infielders that would play on a lot of Division I college baseball teams. Um, so it's, it's cool. It's practices intense, and everyone's trying to show what they can do, and and the best part about it is nobody is like everyone is pulling in the same direction. So when you, when one guy gets subbed in for a pinch up hit at bat, you're just as happy when he succeeds as when you succeed. Last year, you uh, made 48 starts, primary third baseman, but offensively it was a struggle for you. Just a, a buck 73, only two home runs all year. What did, what was your priority after last season to work on in the summer and in the off season so that you were ready for this year? Yeah, I think just, you know, I, it was my redshirt freshman season. Um, I hadn't played a ton of baseball in the last couple of years. So I had an injury freshman year. Um, so I think just the maturity, like college pitching is, is just a different beast than, than high school and, and what you, even what you see in the summer really. Um, so just, just maturing and, and having a, a constant approach that I can, can go back to and lean, lean on. Um, and then simplifying, simplifying the game, simplifying my swing, trying to maximize my ability, um, would be what I would testify it to. Is it more mental or were there some physical changes you made as well? Anything mechanical you want to do adjust with your swing? Yeah, just, I, I'm trying to shorten up a little bit. Um, strength and and power hasn't ever really been the issue for me. So I don't like, I don't need to swing as hard as I can or, or have a really long swing and I can still get results. Um, and then I would say the biggest adjustment has been mentally. I mean, when, when you're struggling in baseball, there's, there's nowhere to hide. Um, so 
just being able to bounce back like a bad game doesn't mean I have to have three bad games in a row or four bad games in a row. Just being able to reset and, and having a release is something that I look to do in the summer and have been able to do so far. Creighton sophomore Ben North joining us, third baseman who had 10 runs batted in last week and, of course, a Big East Player of the Week award. Uh, I know it's early in the season, but, you know, how much uh, – how how pleased were you to see that come into your email box or whoever let you know about it today? Yeah, it's definitely definitely a cool honor. Uh, there's so many great baseball – this league, this Big East league is becoming very – a very deep league. There's no free wins in this, in this league anymore. Like there maybe was five to 10 years ago. Um, so it's cool. There's a lot of good players and, and to be picked, I'm not sure how that voting process works, but to be picked as the best one for the week um, is, is pretty cool. What's the biggest adjustment in terms of facing pitching from, you know, the high school level to the college level? Is it velo? Is it command? location what 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 is it what is the toughest what was the toughest adjustment for you to get used to as a hitter yeah i i would say command because in high school when you go i i went to a, a fairly decent sized high school uh the, the biggest class that you could be in in the state of minnesota so we saw velocity um but the being able to command off-speed pitches not only for strikes, but also for pitches that look like strikes for 55 feet and then disappear. Just being able to throw those pitches in different counts, like you're only really seeing offshoot pitches in two strike counts in high school. So in, in college, that's a whole different, you mean you can take two curveballs and be down 0-2 and, and then you got to battle. So I, w- I would say off the, the level of off speed and then the command of it as well. You mentioned earlier uh, when celebrating the home runs, there's there's a different energy that's in the in the locker room, in the dugout this season. Where do you think that comes from? Because a lot of you guys are the same from last year. Where do you think that comes from? Is it the way that last season ended? Was it the work you guys put in the offseason? Or are there some additional pieces that have maybe brought a little bit more of that energy? Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I would say it's a combination of all of those things. Uh, we bought We brought in a ton of a ton of new players, as you know, with the, with the transfer portal, how that all works. Um, but everyone's pushing in the same direction. And, you know, last year, obviously one game above 500, isn't the standard that we hold here at Creighton. We want to be a a better team than that. And so that kind of left a a sour taste in our mouths and we don't want that to happen again. So everyone, I, I felt like through the fall and, and early in the spring, everyone was kind of working towards not being the team from last year. We wanted to make a name for ourselves and, and kind of rewrite the script. It used to be the thing, you know, to generate runs. Coach Service would get the bunt down after a leadoff walk or a leadoff hit, but I see only four sacrifices so far this year. Uh, so what are you going to do like the first time you get that sign where you have to bunt? Uh, well, hopefully I'll get it down. Uh, cause I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to run back to the dugout having not gotten the bunt down. Um, you know, when you're playing with a lead, which we have in a majority of these games, I know, I know we sacrificed like the, the second two games this weekend were, were closer and, and we did some, some bunting to move runners. Um, but when, when the game's not as close, we don't typically feel the need to do that. Um, but yeah, everyone, I mean, if we're called on to bunt, we're, we're going to bunt. We practice it every day and we're going to get it down. And 
and trust our guy behind us to to drive the run in. You're obviously off to a great start. Nolan's off to a great start. He's hitting six eleven through the first five games. But give me a name. Give me a couple of names of some of those new guys you mentioned that you're really excited to see how their year develops. Whether it's a position player or a pitcher, is a couple of new guys that stand out who are like, man, I can't wait to see what this guy does when we get into Big East play. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say all. Uh, the simple answer would be all of them. Right. But, uh, but. Uh, Teddy Dieters would be a name to look out for. He's transferred from Xavier. Super simple, compact, powerful swing. Um, always competing hard in the box. Uh, he had a very, very good fall and very good spring for us um, leading up to the season. Another name, Will McLean. Uh, he's a first baseman out of UMass. Um, very, very powerful guy. Uh, tough at bat. Loves to compete. Um and he's not a one-trick pony where it's it's all pull or all opposite field. He can he can hit the ball wherever. Um, and then we've got a we got a kind of a trio of of freshman pitchers to look out for. Jack Pinow, uh, Shea Went, Eli Nissen. Uh, Eli hasn't cracked uh, cracked an inning yet, but be on the lookout for him. He he'll do well when he gets his chance. How excited are you to be going back to the scene of the crime? I mean, you're right back in Sugarland this weekend. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm hoping the weather is similar to what we had last. I mean, it was 80 and sunny every day. Um, so if it's anything close to that, uh, I'm, I'm excited just to be in the warmth. And we're excited, too, because uh, the Jays will be opening the home schedule here uh, very soon, uh, coming up on uh, March the Let's see. It's March the eighth. That's right. March the eighth, I believe, is yep. when. Or no, it's uh, the fifth. I'm sorry. UMass Lowell comes to town. That's right. Yeah, we play midweek. And as warm as the weather has been, fingers crossed, knock on wood, it continues that way. I mean, you guys have been spoiled this year. This is actually some pretty good weather. Today would have been an excellent day to go hit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We were we were out there on the field at uh, at Charles Schwab today and. The ball was carrying a little bit different than it did in February last year. <laughs> I bet it was. Well, Ben, congratulations. It's not every day where you can uh, tie or set a record. And uh, the way you guys are off to a tremendous start should be an awful lot of fun to watch how it goes. But uh, best wishes on you know safe travels this weekend. Go back down there and hit a couple of more and bring back some more wins. 5-0 and start. Good way to begin the year. Thank you. That is Ben North, sophomore third baseman for the Creighton Blue Jays. And we'll have more of the 1620 The Jays podcast right after this. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And now let's head to the gym. Time for some hoops. Here's Josh Peterson and Connor Happer. All right, thank you, John. Welcome back for the 1620 The Jays podcast. Connor Happer and Josh Peterson with you as we near the end of the regular season. Josh, we haven't done one of these catch-ups since, I don't know, late January, probably. And um, here we are at the maybe mid-January. And now here we are at the end of the regular season. Both teams, of course, uh, headed to the NCAA tournament on the men's and women's side. We'll, we got some other stuff, uh, sports coming up in starting in the spring baseball is going to be home on Tuesday, but we figured we'd get a, a good catch up um, and sort of a recap of, of what's happened over the last month or so with Creighton men's and women's basketball. We'll start with the women who are 23 and four, 14 and three in the league. They're a lock for second place in the, in the big East because they fell short uh, against UConn on the road uh, a week or two ago, you have been basically at all their home games this year, Josh. <laughs> yes, I have. And you got to, um, you know, you got to catch that group heading out on, on senior night the other night, which was, was really cool. One of the most successful classes in, in blue Jay history. Like what have you seen from them over the last couple of weeks here? Dude, impressive basketball. I mean, I think it's the first thing that that I I have is you know like the the win over Xavier. I mean, the story is less that they won or won by forty two, and it's more just you know the the is this is this it is this it for this group? How many of these players will this be it for? Even the game before that versus Villanova, the final score says that it was a ten point game. That really is not indicative of how well they dominated that team on a pink out Saturday. Uh, last weekend so that that's the thing man you know I'm looking back through the scores because as you said I mean I've pretty much been parked there uh, at the arena throughout much of this season and there are not a whole lot of games that went down to the wire that I had a chance to announce or just watch in general they they seem to be clicking it at just an incredible rate at the right time you know that villain or the excuse me the the UConn game they lose that one by 20 but I know you were you and Otson were watching it during your show like that was a great first half. Creighton had the lead at various points, but a really rough third quarter, and the thing got away from them. And and so they're locked into that two seed. Uh, I, I continue, I guess, to be impressed that it does not have to be the same player every single time. Right. Emirantic has been a bit up and down, you know, throughout the month of February, and she has an insane performance versus Xavier. She becomes a top ten scorer. Uh, all time with the program, but we've seen Molly Moganson step up at various points. Uh, we have seen Lauren Jensen step up. We've seen Morgan Molly. So uh, and Mallory Brake, friend of the pot. She joined us recently. She has uh, really turned some great defensive performances into some good offense as well. So I think they're clicking at the right time. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how deep of a run they can make in the Big East tournament and and obviously what that could mean for their, their seating in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you feel good about them. Uh, of course, against anybody in the Big East except for UConn at this point, and there's no yep. shame in that. I'm looking at uh, the women's bracketology from ESPN. Charlie Cream, uh, he's the uh, women's bracketologist. 
Uh, Creighton's a six. He has yes. Creighton as a six. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I, I I don't know that the you know obviously you want to see that number go as high as as high as you can, but you know they're if they're a five, if they're a six, if they're a four, if they're like whatever you want to call them, I I think they'll have a chance as as long as you're not playing like any ones or twos in the in the second round there to try and move into that second weekend. So obviously you're going to have to be, a, you know, a, a one or a two to get into that second weekend at some point. But I mean, and, and we've seen Creighton knock off, you know, powerful teams before when they made that elite eight run a couple of years ago. So like, I, I, I don't have too many reservations, qualms about, about this group right now. And, you know, whether they're a five or a six or a four, I, I, I don't know, but it, it feels like I don't have, I don't have a whole lot of doubt about them against, any of these top teams that they might face in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the thing that I, I this is such a simplistic way to boil down basketball. And I know Creighton fans <laughs> have hated hearing this at times this year, but make shot, miss shot. Like I really do feel that way about this group. You know, if, if they are, if they are playing well and they are making shots, I think that they can certainly make another run to the second weekend and then, you know, see what happens after that. They, they have the pieces, they have the experience, you know, for a, a group that is not that deep, knock on wood, as, as the season comes to a close, they have their final home game this weekend versus Seton Hall before the Big East tournament uh, coming up on March the 9th. So uh, a week from Saturday, like this is a group that has so much experience together. And it's just, so it's not just experience. This is not a transfer portal group. It is a group that has played together for years and, and they're very healthy at this mo- moment in time. So can they stay healthy? And then can they knock down some shots? Like last season, I have to imagine, dude, is leaving a bad taste in their mouth, you know, like they had that great run two seasons ago to the elite eight. Like, I think that these teams that they have had since then are every bit as good. I mean, I I would say that this is the best one of the last three. And I think their, their record shows that right. They're 23 and four, 14 and three in conference. They're going to be a two seed. Uh, They they lost to UConn and, and then Marquette and the Marquette game was all the way back on December 13th. So we are talking two and a half months ago and that was a road game. So, uh, and, and then they had that odd Green Bay loss in the non-conference. Um, they they are a really really good team, and so if they are if they are right in the yeah. uh, in the conference tournament NCAA tournament, this is a team that can certainly make a run. Well, well to that point, like I think if you know it's it's about matchups in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. Like if you get a team that um, you know not necessarily plays the way that Creighton plays, but more so like has a similar athletic profile in, in in the way that Creighton does, I would take them over just about anybody else of their profile in, like in the country because they, you know, they, they're so connected and they know exactly where, where everybody's at. So that'll, that'll be kind of what you're looking for. That's why you want to stay away from the, the ones and twos in that, uh, in that round of 32 as much as you possibly can. But I, I feel good about the group and it sounds like uh, you do too. All right, over to the men's side, 21 and 8. Um, they are 12 and 6 in the Big East, coming off the win against Seton Hall this week at home. Senior day wide out against Marquette on Saturday. One more regular season game after that at Villanova. Each of those obviously um, presents its own challenges, but Creighton looks like a, a pretty good shot. Obviously, this game will go a long way coming up on Saturday against Marquette in, in, go, in doing so, but. Um, they look like a pretty good shot for the three seed in the Big East tournament right now. Uh, I think Bracket Matrix has them as a four in the NCAA tournament right now. Um, so, I mean, this this group, you know, since we've last talked, 
it's really come together. Obviously they've, they've, they picked up the big home win against UConn. Um, you know, I think a, a month or so ago, five weeks, six weeks, whatever, when we did this, we were still talking about kind of Ashworth getting it going and yes. who are they and, and all this stuff. And that's really come to fruition. And now, you know, the, the, the bench is giving him some contributions too. like Jason green has had a really nice uh, stretch here and, and Francisco Farabello and, you know, Mason Miller is not a bench guy, but he's, he's had moments. Isaac trout had three threes the other night against Seton hall and Creighton demolished, um, you know, a team that they played a triple overtime with in Newark a few weeks ago. So, I mean, they've checked a lot of boxes. I feel really good about where they're at. I know it's not like a hot take or anything like that, but um, it, it just felt like it's felt like it's really coalesced and come together over the last you know month or so. Yeah, you know, one of the last times that we talked, and I know I've said this on my show too. You know, I, I don't like the cut of their jib. I, I I would like to rescind that opinion. I'd like to rescind that take. Uh, I think that they have developed into a really good unit over the course of this season. Obviously, since we last had one of these chats. Uh, I mean, so much has happened. I don't think that we had talked about the triple overtime game. So I think that we're going back before the the Seton Hall game back in January. Certainly the the win over a number one UConn team. I and think it was before the, it was either before the UConn game or just right after the UConn, the first UConn game. Yes, I think that it was that week. And so, I mean, think of all of the storylines that have changed, everything that has happened with this group. And I, dude, I, I, you know, as of this recording, we're just about 24 hours off of the win over Seton Hall. And that is is a game that I thought like I came away very impressed from that bounce back. And I'm guessing that you did too to to lose to to St. John's. I it's so funny how often you and I agree on stuff, but I was listening to your show on Monday as I drove into the office and what you were saying about that loss to St. John's, where some people wanted you to be like really upset. You know, I, I don't know how much I really wanted to say, like, is this a hangover? I don't know. I mean, that the, the UConn game was Tuesday. They didn't play again until Sunday. Um, but sometimes you're gonna play these desperate teams. Uh, and yep. so that's why applying that same logic to Seton Hall, I really liked what I saw on Wednesday night because Seton Hall is certainly a desperate team. Greg McDermott talked about their uh, NCAA tournament hopes, their bubble stuff. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm, I don't understand this. How are they a bubble team? Uh, and they they whooped him. I mean, it, it, it was a game where I was looking at the I was looking at the uh, ESPN, you know, whatever percentage chance of a victory. Probability, yeah. Yes. Thank you. How fast that thing was well over 90%, not just 90%, but 95, 96, 97. And then, it, I mean, it was 99, literally the entire second half. So yeah, they had a good night. Seton Hall had a bad night. You yes, know. They did. yes, they I think did. it's a good team, but they didn't, they didn't play very well, play very inspired in that game, but Creighton had a good night. And if that's the combo you're going into a, a game with, with Creighton, it, you know, good luck. They, they yeah. could be just about any of the, anybody in the country when that's a scenario individually, you know, I, I feel like, you know, we talk about Creighton just about every day on our shows and we don't get a chance to kind of talk about, you know, some of the things that these guys are doing individually, like Baylor Shireman has racked up all these accolades and all these, you know, boxes over the last couple of weeks here. He's now scored a thousand points at two schools. He's now, he's now scored. I mean, and, and by the way, he's done that in under two seasons at mm-hmm. Creighton in mm-hmm. the big, East, you know, and we wondered how that was going to translate over from, from South Dakota state. And he's been incredible for this group doing a little bit of everything. Trey Alexander is getting the shooting stroke back and he's still adding to his game. A lot of playmaking the other night against Seton hall. And that led to both, both of those guys being on top of their game, 
led to Ryan Kalkbrenner going 10 for 10 from the field, which, you know, and that's, that's like a perfect recipe right there. And, you know, Mac talked about Ashworth's defense and, and how well he did. And he certainly did. But if you guys, if you got those three going like that, I, I mean, you know, we, we talk about these teams in college basketball, like talent from a talent perspective, uh, those three go up against anybody's best three in the country and they they're toe for toe. They're, they're there the entire thing. So that that's how far they can go. If those guys are all on on the same day in the tournament. And even if they not, even if they're all not there, you can still get by with, you know, with one or one and a half or two or w- whatever it might be. So yeah, I, I think they're in a, in a great spot as we get ready for postseason basketball. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, man. And and the the last two games of the season, I think, are super fun. You know, to see Marquette again. You know, obviously, there's been a lot of discourse recently about discussions of you know with the fans and coaches. <laughs> like, oh, cool. And then Shaka Smart gets to come into town. Like, this is yeah. perfect timing. And and that game happened at the very end of 2023. It was the the last game of the calendar year. They lost that one by five on a uh, Saturday afternoon. And then you know to to finish at Villanova, a team that they played right before Marquette at the very end of 2023. They played that one before Christmas break. They also lost that one uh, in overtime. So they start off 0-2 in league play. Uh, since then, they've gone 12-4. and And, you know, getting that victory um, over Seton Hall, you know, I-, I sense some pessimism. I sense it from my co-host, John Bishop, about, like, if they lose this game to Seton Hall, like, 0-4 to finish is very much on the table. Yeah. Uh, certainly a 1-3 and record would have very much been on the table. And now, like, I'm not saying that they are locked into their seed in the Big East tournament um, because these are still two very good teams that they have to finish up with. Um, but th- it certainly gave them a little bit of breathing room with Seton Hall and, and everybody else that's kind of behind them, where it seemed like they might get stuck in kind of that muck, that really large middle class. But now that victory and other other results happening, and it seems like they've maybe separated themselves a bit. The uh, the Ken, I know I like I talk about Ken Palm probably a little, a little bit too much, but uh, Ken Palm boy over here. Um, the they always keep track of the Big East All Conference team like player rankings, kind of as you go through the season, so you can click on them from each conference. And so they have these five right now: Tristan Newton from UConn, Tyler Kolick from Marquette, Baylor Shireman, Eric Dixon, who Creighton will still see, and you know, well, we'll see about Kolick. I guess we'll. We'll maybe talk about that a little bit. And mm-hmm. Trey Alexander is is number five on here. Now you could you could make arguments for probably six or seven more guys to be on that list, but as of right now, Creighton's got two of the five, and you, you could probably still make an argument for Kalkbrenner too. Which you know that so that's those are the three. Um, and you get some bench production; it's a good deal. Uh, so the host Marquette on Saturday should be a raucous environment. We've talked a little bit about the. I guess we've mentioned the the raucous environments or the, the effect of the environments at basketball games. Um, so Tyler Kolick injured his oblique the other day um, in, in their win, their beatdown of, of Providence. And so if they're without him, that changes the formula completely. Massive. Maybe Creighton can get that win. And, you know, Villanova, Villanova is a tough hang just because of, you know, Dixon and what he's done to them. But, you know, so any, any way you split it, you love to finish one and one. And then head to that Big East tournament, roll the ball out there. But you know their their NCAA tournament seating is kind of, you know, it's I don't want to say it's set in stone. They could still do a lot to improve it. But it, I, I said this before, Josh. Like you, they're one of the top fifteen teams in the country. They 
they have a chance if things break one way or the other to make a deep run, whether it's elite eight or, or final four. I think they're one of those teams. I don't think anything that happens barring injury in the next three or four games is, is going to change that. I, that's where I think they are. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And and so I, I'm with you, barring, you know, I guess going 2-0 and and then winning the entire Big East tournament. Maybe that, yeah. that does you a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, just kind of what I'm expecting, I feel like they'll end up staying at the uh, at the same spot. And so I, I feel like that by the next time we talk, uh, we'll know where both teams are going, who they're playing in the uh, first round of the NCAA yep. tournament, and uh, we can do a little preview of that. I, I am... I'm really excited to follow along, you know, and then obviously you throw in Nebraska as well. I'm really excited to throw, uh, to follow along with what is going to happen in March. You know, I, I think I said it to you the last time we did one of these, I know I've said it to a lot of people, like one of my favorite times ever in radio was my, my first year where I ended up being on the air and that was 2014 and just getting to, to, to do the craziness every single day of, of Creighton in Nebraska. And now we've gotten to that point again. And with the calendar turning to March, I, I think it's going to get uh, even more exciting. And these are, you know, a, a lot of programs, you know, especially the ones that we have talked about tonight, these men's and women's programs where, you know, if it does feel like it's going to be the end of an era in some way, shape yeah. or form, you know, like the women's team, everyone could return, everyone could leave or a, or a combination. Uh, my guess is it's going to be the the last option. It's going to be a combination. Agreed. You know, we we know what's going on with the men's team. You know, where you're talking about professional opportunities for some of these guys, um, and and certainly there are chances for players to return as well. So this is this is the last ride, the last dance for for these programs um, in this exact form, and I cannot wait to see what unfolds. Yeah, it's it's going to be an awesome finish. So we'll um, we'll and by the way, we wanted to mention too that. We'll be checking in uh, over on 1620 The Zone, whether it's YouTube or, or social media, kind of throughout the NCAA tournament, whether it's you and I, Josh, or a combination yep. of some of our hosts um, just checking in and talking tourney. Because, I mean, if you if you expand and look out locally, we're going to have at least four of our local men's and women's teams in the NCAA tourna- tournament, potentially, you know, and then whatever UNO ads as well. So um, it, it'll, there'll be a lot to cover and a lot to take in coming up here in just a couple of weeks. All right. That's it for us on the 1620 The Jays podcast for this week. For Josh Peterson, I'm Connor Happer. We'll send it back to John Bishop. John. Thanks, fellas. Let's take a look at where the Jays are going to be in the coming days. And boy, is it going to be busy. There's as many as five different sports going on at one time. In fact, a week from Saturday, there'll be eight different sports going on. So we have definitely reached the spring sports season. The baseball team is headed back down to Sugarland, Texas. Air Force is first up on the docket, 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. Then, coming up on Saturday, they'll take on Louisiana Tech. Then, coming up on Sunday, the baseball team still down in Sugarland, Texas against the U.S. Military Academy. Women's tennis will have a meet against Drake in Omaha 1230 on Friday afternoon. Moving ahead to Saturday, the softball team returns to action as they will take on Loyola Chicago in the Cougar Invite down in Edwardsville, Illinois, followed by a game against St. Thomas. It is senior day for the Creighton men's basketball team. Number five Marquette comes calling in a battle of top 12 rated teams. 
We will have all the coverage beginning at high noon on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg with tip-off shortly after 1.30. And don't forget, we will also bring you exclusive coverage of the Senior Day speeches after the conclusion of the men's basketball game. Again, that will be on Saturday. The women's basketball team returns to the floor on Sunday. They will be at Seton Hall. That'll be a game broadcast on FS1 and will tip off at 2 o'clock. Softball also is in action on Sunday. They will be taking on Illinois State as the Cougar invite continues, followed by a game against Southern Illinois Edwardsville. And it is also spring training for the women's rowing team. They are down in Waco, Texas all this weekend. In fact, all through next week. And that's a quick look at where the Jays will be in the coming days. And that's it for this week's 1620 The Jays podcast. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button as we will be back with a fresh new episode next weekend. For Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, I'm John Bishop. The 1620 The Jays podcast is an exclusive presentation of NRG Media Omaha and Creighton University Athletics. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.